I love the beauty of this room and seeing all of the, the candles lit, with, you know, representing what we read in the Advent reading that the light of the world has come. And, and because, because the light has come, we'll never be the same. Now, if you're new to Grace, I'm just going to tell you, like, this is a different type of service. Like, you come back next week, it'll be no candles. Uh, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll bring, I don't know. But, uh, you know, our Christmas Eve service, there's something special, though, of whether you've been here a million times or whether this is your very first time, what, what unites us is this truth that we're celebrating, that Jesus has come. And again, I just want to reinforce this. Because Jesus has come, we will never be the same. Now, I know that it's like, man, we just got these candles lit. I'm going to let you keep them lit just for a second. But we're going to, here in just a minute, be taking communion. And I am afraid we're going to set this church on fire if you try to take communion and hold a lit candle at the same time. And so what we're going to do together, knowing that the true light is, is, is going to continue to shine on, I'm going to ask everybody on the count of three to just blow your candle out. Here we go. One, two, three. Ah, there you go. Some of you, honestly, your breath isn't as powerful as others. It took a while, but hey, it's good. Well, man, I'm so glad that you're here on Christmas Eve to celebrate. And you know, we're gonna be going into this time of gifts. And by the way, you can go ahead and just pass your candles toward the end uh, as they come to collect those. But you know, as we, as we uh, come to the end of, uh, of this year, man, we still have this celebration. Some of you will be, how many of you guys are the family that you open one gift on Christmas Eve? Anybody does the one gift? What normally is that one gift? Pajamas, everybody got to open the pajamas on Christmas Eve. I know how you roll. And then tomorrow we'll have all these gifts. Well, I, I decided to take a trip down memory lane and I went to Google because apparently Google knows everything. And I asked, what were the most, what have been the most popular Christmas presence throughout the decades. Now, I have no idea what decade you're from. I'm not going to guess. That gets me in trouble. But if you would have been a kid in 1941, the most popular Christmas gift that year was right here, the Daisy Red Rider BB gun. Come on. We have way more people from 1941 than I anticipate. I'm just telling you right now. 1952 was a big year because 1952, Mr. Potato Head. I don't know if you were like me, but I, I love putting the parts in all the wrong places, man. You know, having, his, you know, having you know, the, uh, the bow tie where his eyes are supposed to be, that was great. Okay, I know some of you are going to be, you're, you're going to love this. You were like me. Uh, you, you remember this. Anybody? 1967, Light Bright. Anybody? Oh, Dude, when I was a kid, there was nothing better than putting those pegs on there and lighting that bad boy up. That was amazing. But I think as a kid, this might have been number one on my list. 1973, electric football. Dude, it was awesome until inevitably after about 17 uses, somebody would lean in the middle and put a dent and all the players would just go to the middle. But I'm telling you, that was awesome. Now, there was a down year in 1975. Apparently, the, the, the toy corporations, I don't know if they went on strike or whatever, but the number one gift in 1975 was a pet rock. I'm like, 
Okay, out of curiosity, did anybody own a pet rock? Like any, oh, please, Lord, have mercy. Well, they're here, that's good. But hey, but then 1986, technology took a step forward. Here we go, the original Nintendo. Yes. I remember 1986, I had, I had my appendix taken out. My parents never bought me the original Nintendo, but a girl down the hall in the hospital did, and she let me play Duck Hunt, and I'm like, these graphics are amazing. I mean, it was great. <laughs> 1996, man, it was a big thing. People were f- literally fighting in Walmart and Target trying to buy, anybody remember? Tickle me, Elmo. <laughs> I'm like, it's just a stuffed animal. Then there was 2007, the PS3 changed gaming, and then, who can forget, 2013. Let it go, let it go, like you frozen. I'm gonna stop there. You know, it was funny, I was going through this, and and I was actually having some fun because I I didn't know this. I was just trying to figure out what, what were the most popular presents across the years, but the thought hit me that many of these gifts that I received, like some of those up there I had personally, and I have no idea what happened to those gifts. Literally. Like, like I, don't, I don't know where, what we did with them. And I, I would guess that unless you just, because of nostalgia, bought something off of eBay recently, if you had any of those gifts that we talked about or any of the other gifts that you received as a kid at Christmas time, you probably haven't held on to them. They're, they're gone. They're, they're probably in a landfill somewhere. You know, it's, it's funny because the gifts that we hang on to aren't usually the gifts that show up on the bestseller list at Christmas time. The gifts that, that probably you still have today are, are, are gifts that aren't necessarily shiny and bright. In fact, I would say that a gift that you hold on to has at least four characteristics. First of all, it's probably a gift that somebody gave you. It was a gift that required time and thought. You know, somebody genuinely thought about, man, what am I going to get this person? Or what am I going to make this person? Not like those guys that are here, they're going to be at Walgreens at 10.59 p.m. tonight buying stocking stuffers. How do I know that? I've been there. Um, uh, <laughs> now, it's a gift that, that required time and thought, and it means a lot. In fact, probably the gift that, that you've held on to is, is a gift that was personal. And what I mean by that, it was, it was a gift that was, was for you. Like, it was created or given to you with you in mind. For instance, if, you, if you're not a coffee drinker and somebody bought you an espresso machine, like, what? They obviously don't know you that well. Or if you're a Seahawks fan. If you're a 49ers fan and somebody bought you a Seahawks jersey, you're like, you're like, you don't know me very well. It's not a gift that's, that's that impressive. But, but listen, I, I can get a new TV, but, but a homemade gift from my three-year-old daughter, I hold on to that. I can't get that again. And it's special. I would say that it's not just gifts that retire, require time and thought and that are personal. It's, it's many times a, a gift that required sacrifice. I remember the year that my kids, they... My kids didn't have a ton of money. They were very young, and 
And uh, they bought us, they bought me and Lori something with their own money. They found somebody else and surprised us. But then they also put together a, a a, a Christmas program. In fact, I, I still, in my drawer, have their program, that Christmas program, and they played the piano and sang songs and played the saxophone, cold danced. It was amazing. I still have that video. But it was, it was a gift that I'll, I'll never forget. They, they didn't have a lot, but they gave of what they had. And, and man, as a parent, like, that means a lot. And, and you, like, you can think of those things you've held on to. I, I would say the last thing, and probably if you... <laughs> It's no secret where I'm going with this, if you've been around the church. Uh, a gift that is always relevant is a gift that you hold on to. Because shiny things lose their glimmer. Uh, new becomes old. And usually what we do is we end up eventually tossing those things that once we were so excited to hold. But the things that we hold on to the gifts that count were the gifts that took time and thought, that were personal, that were sacrifice, and it's a gift that is always relevant. As we get ready to come forward and take communion today, in fact, if my, uh, if my guys that are helping with communion can take their place in the front and the back, I, I think it's good that we remember the gift of Jesus Christ. In fact, Landon Ritchie did such a great job of quoting John 3.16. And I thought, man, I don't, want, I don't want Landon to have all the fun. And so I want us today as, as family to say this verse together. The, the verse is gonna be on the screen because this is at the heart of it all. The reason why we celebrate this season. John 3.16, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The Apostle Paul, the shortest summary of the Christmas story anywhere is in Galatians chapter four, verse four, where he wrote, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And you know, if you think about it, this gift of Christ, the light that we've celebrated with the lighting of candles, the reading of scripture, the singing of, of songs, he is the gift that lasts forever. The gift that was well thought out long before the creation of this world, God put in place Jesus Christ coming to this earth. It was a gift that was personal, literally Paul writes in Galatians 2 that what he did, Jesus came to save us, you, me, personal. It was a gift that was sacrificial. Greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life. And the way Paul put it in Romans 5 is that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's a gift that after all the other gifts have gone, it's the gift that remains, the gift that matters, the gift that will always be relevant. And today as we come to take communion as a family of God, in fact, if you're in the front half, you'll come here to the front back half. We have the elements there in the back. I want you to take the bread and the cup back with you. And at the end, as after everyone's been served, we're gonna take communion together. But 
man, I want us to remember why it is that we celebrate. Because the reality is this, when Jesus showed up, he showed up in a manger. But we don't wear mangers around our necks, we wear crosses. It's because that the story started with a manger. It was a story that included a cross. And so it might seem weird that on Christmas in which we remember his birth, that we would remember his death. But no, it's actually exactly what Jesus said. He said, until I come again, remember, do this in remembrance of me. For in so doing, you're gonna proclaim my death until I return. This is what we're going to do. Remember the reason for the season. But I would say this before you come. You're gonna come one of two ways this morning. You'll either come praising or maybe this morning, this would be an incredible thing. You come confessing. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need your gift because what I can tell you is the gift of Christmas wasn't just a gift announced to shepherds. It's a gift that I can announce to every single one of us. It's the greatest news for all people, for all times. Jesus Christ has been born. He's died. And because of that, we can be forgiven. And so if you've never received that forgiveness, this is your opportunity. Confess your sins knowing that He will forgive you and that our faith is in what Christ did, not in what we've done. And so I'd invite you to stand as the family of God, front half, come to the, the front. Let's worship together as we take communion.
this beautiful season that we get to not just remember his birth, but to remember the significance of his life, his death, that together with churches all over the world, we together do this. I invite you to take the bread, which represents the body of Christ, which was broken for you. I invite you to eat this and be thankful that Christ did this for you. In the same way we take the cup, which represents the blood of Christ, which was spilled for our salvation, drink this and be thankful that he died for you. Lord, I thank you so much for this incredible opportunity that we have as a church family to remember, to remember, yes, incredible day that Christ was born, but God, to also remember the significance of Christ's life. Lord, we thank you for coming to seek and save the lost. God, because of that, our lives have been changed and we just say thank you together. So God, this is not just some ritual that we go through. Lord, this is very meaningful as we remember what this means, that because of Christ's death, we can be forgiven. Because of his sacrifice, we can have life. And so Lord, we thank you that you died for us while we were yet sinners so that we could be called sons of God. So thank you for coming into this world. Thank you for giving us a reason to celebrate. We've been delivered from, dark, from a kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of glorious light. And so Lord, while we know the story didn't end on the cross, God, somewhere outside of Jerusalem, there is a tomb that is empty because Jesus, you walked out. We celebrate the fact that this story is continuing to be written, that you who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it at the day of Christ. We thank you for the promise that one day, Jesus, you are coming back. And so together today in this Christmas Eve candlelight service, we say thank you. And so God, I pray for each person that is here, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of whether on the mountaintop, in the valley, in good health or bad, if we're in favorable circumstances or we're going through tough times, I pray that we would remember what the gift of Jesus Christ means and why it matters. And may we truly celebrate the meaning of Christmas with our families. We love you and we pray all of this in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.